What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We pulled up at dark into a pasture called the North Mustang. Now, why they called it Mustang instead of Mustang, I don't know, but everybody on that ranch would just jump you out if, uh, if you said Mustang. It was the North Mustang pasture. And although I had been to the windmill and stuff, I had never gathered this pasture before. Whenever you work on a 276-section ranch, there's a first time for everything. We unloaded it. You couldn't hardly see the, the, uh, your horse's ears, and we, we spread out along this fence line, and we was going to be headed west gathering. And one fella uh, took, the, took the outside there, and then the, the next person in was, was my dad, and then I was flanking him, and I believe it was Lancer Billy that was on this side of me. And uh, I asked him, I said, what's the layout of this pasture? And, and the uh, cattle foreman, he told me, he said, well, Kevin, where you're at right here, he said, you're going to go along and you're going to come up on this ridge. And he said, if you'll look over to your right, he said, you're going to see a windmill. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of circle around this and we're going to bring all these cattle into this windmill. And that's where I'm going to be with my siren calling in all the cattle. I thought, easy enough. So we sat there and we waited, and I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful morning, and I mean, the sun was coming up behind me, and you can start hearing those birds chirp, and so I'm sitting there, and man, life just doesn't get any better than being a cowboy. Way down the line, I heard the wagon boss whoop. It was time for us to start. So we started off, and we got going and everything, and I would kind of come over here, and I'd check on Dad, and then I'd go over here, and hadn't run across any cattle yet. And I checked on Billy or Lance, whichever one was over there. And I just kind of kept working back and forth. Where I was was, was pretty wide open so you could see. And um, I, I topped this hill about 30 minutes later. And I looked over, and sure enough, there was Jim Ed. He had his siren going. I could hear it for quite a while. And I looked over there, and I didn't know exactly how many head of cattle were in this pasture, but it looked like double that was already at the windmill. And so they're all over there, and, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of watching Dad come around. And I'm looking, and it's real brushy on the, on the west and, and, and north side of that deal. And so I guess the cattle were already there, and Jim Ed had fed, and they had already got through eating, and a few of them were drifting off towards the brush where they had already been. And I thought, my gosh, what am I going to do here? Do I go ahead and do what I'm supposed to be doing, knowing that these cattle are going back where they're not supposed to be? So I made an executive decision, and I rode off and left my spot in the gathering. And I rode down there, and for the next two and a half hours, I kept all those cows at that deal, staying off in the brush. And, and you know, uh, if you've ever gathered cattle, especially black cattle, there's always that one that is testing the boundaries. She's going off this way, and you kind of have to sneak around, and you didn't want to chouse them too much, and I'd kind of get in her, you know, I'd materialize like a cowboy ninja out of the brush. She'd look up, and like, where'd he come from? She'd go back, and have you ever seen that, that game where they put the little ping pong ball with the coconuts and they go like that, and you're trying to watch her because you know she's a troublemaker, and you're watching her, and you've got your eyes on her, and you're scared to blink, and then she's gone. It's like, crud, where'd she go? And then you see her emerge on the other side, so you trot around, 
And you get over there, and you come like that ninja again out of the brush. And she's like, whoa. So she goes back. And I did this for about two and a half hours. And eventually, here comes Lance riding up. And so he had that side, and so I scooted back over here. And then Billy showed up, and then Jesse showed up. And then my dad showed up. He'd worked this huge draw all by himself, and he was looking for my help. And I'm sitting there up against this little kind of a, kind of a, a bluff-looking thing, and I seen him riding, and he got that look on his face, and I was like, oh, crap, here we go. Here we go. He rides up there, and by this time, all the cowboys are there, and he commences, if you've ever worked cattle with your dad, you've under, you understand exactly what I'm fixing to say. He commenced to chewing on me. I was sitting there thinking, God, he didn't have a quirt in his hand because I knew. I mean, I was 21 years old. And I'm pretty sure he'd have beat the living snot out of me if he'd have had a quirt. And I mean, he just chewed on me about why wasn't I there and rah, rah, rah. And I mean, I felt about this big. And I just looked at him and I said, sorry, Dad. And everybody heard it. So we get going, and, and, and all the trailers were parked here, and we was going to push them about, about eight miles over to a set of working pens. And so as we got them going, <laughs> Jesse, the, uh, the wagon boss, he's like, all right, let's go ahead and move them out. I was like, thank you, Jesse, because I didn't know how much longer I could stay in the saddle with this chewing. And so we got them headed out, and all of a sudden, Jim had the cattle for him, and he rolls down the window and goes, Paul, why don't you stick around here and help me move these trailers over there while they push these cattle? Dad's man, he's like, fine. And so we go over there, and it's the longest eight miles. I mean, I'm, I'm half just, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. When your dad gets onto you like that, I mean, your heart just goes to beating real fast and everything. And, and I, I just wavered between being mad and scared and, you know, second-guessing myself and everything like that. So we got them over there, and we got them in the pens, and we were going to, uh, by this time it was lunch, and we were going to go ahead and eat before we... Uh, before we worked all of them. And I'll never forget, I was leaning up against uh, the two trailer tires, eating a sandwich when my dad rolled up with the last trailer. And he walks over there, and he hunkers down beside me, and he puts his hand on my knee, and he goes, how come you didn't tell me that you were the only reason that we didn't have to gather that pasture twice? And I said, because you didn't ask. And he said, I'll never be a man if I don't admit that I'm wrong. And he said, it's bothered me since Jim Ed told me. And he said, I apologize to you, son. I shouldn't have done it. He said, you did the right thing. He said, you never let cattle get back behind us. And he said, do you forgive me? And I said, absolutely. And then we drank moldy water together. You think I'm joking, I'm not. I'm like, where's the, where's the water? He said, it's behind the seat of the pickup. And he pulls it out, and there's like this quarter-sized deal of mold flowing in it, floating in it. And I'm like, I'll drink out of the trough. He's like, well, there's more in there. And so everything was good. Today, we're going to talk about confession. Last week, we talked about getting back to riding with God. That, and we're not talking about salvation or anything like that. Salvation is obtained through belief in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But there are things that, that strengthen our fellowship with God, our ride with God. Today, 
we're going to continue our series. Last week we talked about repentance and what does repentance mean? Repentance means to turn away from sin, but it doesn't just start there. It means turn away from, uh, turn away from sin and turn to God. Well, today we're going to talk about confession, and confession is another way to get back into fellowship with God. Why do we need to confess our sins? We're going to talk about that. Do you ever feel like, (laughs) I I shouldn't even ask this because I know you do. Do you ever feel like the weight of the world is just on your shoulders? That no matter what you do, it's just so hard to take that next step. You just go on and you're just like, I don't know how much more I can take. I know that God's with me, but, you know, just trudging along, trudging along. Do you feel like the weight of the world rests on your shoulders? Well, confession, when we go to God and we confess our sins to Him, it does a miraculous thing. It lightens the load. No longer do we have to carry that secret around with us. Sin is a heavy burden. Sin is an incredibly heavy burden. I know of a man that just reinforced it today. He told me his, his testimony last week of, of how he had been living with some stuff that was inside of him, and he called the two people that he really needed to talk to, and years of weight on him, and when he called them to talk to them about it, he figured out that he'd been feeling guilty for no reason at all. And he said, it felt like a burden was lifted off of me. I feel like I can breathe again. That's what confessing our sins does when we go to God and we tell him, God, you've got to be honest with him. He knows. He knows everything that you do wrong. He wants you to tell him so that you can lighten that load. You can't climb in the saddle to ride with God if you're heavy burdened. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But how many times as Christians do we really think that? Instead of, you know, saying, Jesus, you said that my, your yoke was easy and your burden is light. How do I, why do I feel so burdened? Well, the reason is, is you've got all this sin on you and he's sitting there waiting to help you. When we confess our sins, it's Jesus taking our sins off of us and putting them on himself. Why did Jesus say that? Because he'll remove the things that hold you down if you'll ask him. Why do we confess our sins? Do you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? That you don't, you don't know how much further you can go? There was a deal on, uh, they had a show called The Biggest Loser, and I've only watched it one time, or one season, I got kind of into it. And there was this deal of about three quarters of the way through, I mean, these, these people had lost a, a ton of weight and what they had to do is they was in these sand hills. And in a bag was all the weight that they had lost. And they would like, I think it was like six or seven weeks in. And what happened is, for week one, they had to drag all of the weight that they had lost. And then when they opened up the bag, there was a week one. And they got to take out the weight that they had lost week one. And they threw it on the ground. And then they had to drag it to week two. Those people used to carry around that weight the entire time. Some of them couldn't even make it to week one without help. I mean, they were in sand and they were having to kind of go up and down hills. But time after time, they said, how did we even live? I can't even drag this up a hill and I used to carry it with me 24 hours a day. Whenever we confess our sin, it's like reaching in our bag and throwing away weight. When they got to the end, all they had left was the bag And there was a sign, and there was a cliff right there, and the sign said something to the effect of, I will never carry that weight around again. 
in my life. And you got to take that bag. And they threw it over the deal. And I've, I mean, peop, these people were crying by the time they got there. And they said, I will never carry that around again. And they threw it out. That is a perfect illustration of what confessing our sins to God does to lighten our load. Why do we need to confess our sins? Does your ride with God feel like a long trot through a grassy pasture? Or trying to navigate a cactus patch barefooted in the dark? What is it about walking in the dark that you can go like this and still stump your toe? I don't know what it is. But how easy, how many painful memories could each and every one of us have instead of going around in the dark if we had just turned the light on? I don't know too many people besides my wife that stumped their toe in broad daylight. Does not recognize self in space. And I know she's not the only one. Does your ride with God feel like a long trot through grassy pastures? Or trying to navigate a cactus patch barefooted in the dark? Fessing up to our sins shines a light in the darkness. Sin cannot remain where the light of God shines. Nasty things grow in the dark. And when we have that sin, you know that one that you've been thinking about since we started that? When we keep it hidden, it grows in the dark. But when we introduce it to God, it's kind of like them vampire movies when they go in the sunlight. It just disintegrates. Sin cannot survive in the light of God. Nothing good grows in the dark, folks. When we go to God and we confess our sins, we show Him, I want you to take this. I want you to burn it away. How can you ride with God if you can't even see where He is? A lot of Christians today, and, I've, and, and it's not one of these things that you can just magically do. This will go on your entire life. Sometimes the sin creeps up on you, and you don't even realize that you're doing it. How can you ride with God if you can't even see where it is? When you confess your sin to God, it shines a light, and no longer will you stump your toe on the things that hold you back. Confessing your sins turns the light on for God's love. It's walking up there and saying, you know what, I'm not going to try to navigate this cactus patch anymore. I'm just going to flip on the light of God and I'll know where to go. I'll know what to avoid. That's all good and well, right? But what does confessing really mean? What does it mean? Three things. Confessing your sins is agreeing with God that our sin is really sin and we're willing to turn away from it. Repentance, like we talked about last week. You cannot ride with God. You cannot have close fellowship with God if all you do is justify your sin. And I'm telling you what, justification in that light is one of the most rampant problems in Christianity today because people are going in there and they're saying, well, you know, I know what the Bible says about this, but it's not a sin. I don't believe that that's a sin. Folks, if the Bible says it's a sin, it's a sin. It doesn't matter if you believe it's a sin or not. Quit justifying what you're doing and do what God calls you to do. Live the way God tells you to live. Be who God calls you to be. If you are justifying your sin instead of confessing it, you're doing nothing but separating yourself from God. Now, I didn't say that you were losing your salvation. I didn't say that you wasn't going to heaven. But man, what is the point of carrying that around? Not only do you have a load that you're walking around with, and in the dark besides that. And then we go and justify why we do it. 
What does confessing mean? It means agreeing with God that our sin is really sin and we're willing to turn away from it. The second thing that confessing means is that we hide our sin from ourselves or from God. You cannot ride with God if packing sin in your boot or underneath your underwear drawer in the top drawer. I mean, a lot of people do that. They have that sin and they act like it's not there. It's not there, it's not there. And when nobody's looking, we run back over there, make sure it's there. Stop it. Confessing sin means we hide our... If you don't confess your sin, you're hiding your sin from God and ourselves. And the third thing that confessing means is that we recognize our tendency to sin and we rely on God's power to open up a can of whoop. On the sin that is controlling us. I'm dead serious. Confessing sins mean that we recognize our tendency to sin and we rely on God's power to overcome it. You can't ride with God if you think you're already perfect. I just saw four people look at their spouse and go, see? Not going to point out any people. Think about that. How many people just think, you know, it, maybe you're sitting there going, well, maybe I don't have any sin to confess. I guarantee you. That's Texas right there, folks. Not only do we preach the word of God, but we train Texans. Not really. If you can't think of a single sin that you need to confess to God, we need to go back to the lying to ourselves part. We've all got sin. Some of it may be big in your life. Some of it may be small. And there is, But see, the difference is, is there is no big or small sin in God's eyes. All of it is a big, flat turd on our lives. It doesn't matter what it is, whether you lie. Jesus Christ said it himself. He said, if, uh, if you... Somebody, the Bible says, thou shalt not murder. But if you have hate for your brother in your heart, you've already murdered him. We've all got sin that we need to confess. What does it mean? It means agreeing with God that our sin is really sin, and we're willing to turn away from it. It means that we no longer hide our sin from ourselves or from God. And it means that we recognize our tendency to sin, and we rely on God's power to overcome it. The greatest part of confessing our sins is found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you're one of these folks that like to memorize Scripture, this would be a fantastic one to memorize. I'm reading from the NIV whenever I say, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen to that again. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But I want you to look at that verse right there. Only the first five words of this verse are about us. We have a natural ability and tendency to make everything about us. Our mood is based on how we feel. Our opinions are based on what we think. Our judgments are based on what we believe is right and wrong. But look at the rest of this verse and see what the greatest thing about confessing your sins is. It's about God. The first five words, if we confess our sins, is the only part of that verse that is about us. But look at the rest of that verse. He is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, it throws the gate wide open to our hearts and lets God do His job. How many times have we kept God from doing His job? He is faithful. Let's start right there. He is faithful. We cannot keep a promise, but God will never break a promise. So if, if you think that God is breaking a promise, maybe it's on your end. He's faithful to forgive us of our sins, but we must confess them. He is just. Now, that doesn't mean, well, he's just God. No, that means like justice. The definition of just is given or awarded rightly. Given or awarded correctly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will reward us rightly by forgiving our sins and purifying us from all unrighteousness. God is going to do the right thing every time. He sent his son to die so that he would be able to forgive your sins. Why are we keeping him from that? We're saying, God, you know what? I don't want you to forgive this sin. I want to hold on to it because it's too much fun. I can't stop this because I'm addicted to it. I wish I could stay out of the brownies, but I can't. He is just. Look at the third one. He will forgive our sins. Jesus lived and died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. How much of a shame would it be if we threw his death away by holding on to our sins and not letting him have the reason that he sent his son? He wants to forgive us. He longs to forgive us. And most importantly, we need him to forgive us. And the last part, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? That's kind of a big fancy church word. It just means living right. It means riding with God in fellowship. Doing what God wants you to do. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants to clean us so that we can resemble him. He wants to wash it away so that we can be a reflection of him. And whenever we are a reflection of him, people are going to come up to you and they're going to say, what do you have that I don't have? How come you're able to be happy and I'm not? How come you don't feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? How come you don't act like you're walking around in the dark? How come you know everywhere to go? Because I confess my sins and I let the light of God shine through me. And he has purified me. He has cleansed me so that I can walk with him. If it feels like God is a million miles away, get back to riding with him by confessing your sins. How do we do that? We're going to close with this. And I want you to do this. I want you to go home. In a minute, we'll pray. Do it then. Don't wait to confess your sins. Go to God in prayer and talk to him about specific sins in your life and ask him to forgive you for it. Ask him to help you turn from it. Just go to him. Just give it up. I mean, it ain't simple. I mean, it's not simple. It's not hard. There is no magical, dear Heavenly Father, I screwed that up. Hang on just a second. Dear Heavenly Lord of our God's Father. No, you don't have to do that. Just go and say, Dad, you know what? God, man, I've been doing this, and I need your help. The second way to confess your sins is found in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The second way that we can confess our sin is tell a Christian friend about it. Come talk to me about it. I ain't going to judge you and I don't care what it is. 
There's nothing that I would judge any of y'all for. If you need to talk, holler at me. There's some other people in here that I can introduce you to. You can talk to Jared. You can go talk to my wife. You can talk to Dave, Sue, Eva. There's a lot of people in this fellowship of Christian cowboys and cowgirls that you can talk to. If you want powerful and effective prayer, be righteous. We talked about that purifying. How do we become righteous? Confess our sins to God so that he can be faithful, just, forgiving, and purifying us from all unrighteousness. And confess our sins to each other so that our prayers will be powerful and effective. Get back to riding with God. Don't quit being out there all by yourself. God wants you right there close to him. And he's calling you today. Open up your eyes. Open up your heart. Listen. I know he's talking to you right now. Thanks for riding with us today. Our prayer is that God reached out and touched your heart and your guts. This is Kevin Weatherby again, and I'd like to invite you to attend one of our cowboy services in person. You just saddle up and ride on down to Kiowa, Colorado, and out to the Elbert County Fairgrounds every Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, you can mosey on by www.savethecowboy.com. We hope to see you real soon. Save the Cowboy is brought to you by Barry Ward at barrywardmusic.com. Tumbleweed Hay, you can reach them at 303-324-8217. Western LLC, 303-407-3995. And the fine folks at Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. I'd like to say welcome to our newest radio sponsor, Integrity Auto Repair. Stop by and see Jim and Kelly Gerald in Kiowa, Colorado. Or visit them on the website at IntegrityAutoRepairColorado.com or give them a call at 303-621-2854. Hey, we want to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter if you have a cowboy story, a testimony, or even a prayer request. Y'all just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on the Contact Us page and we'll get right back to you. Until next time, this is Pastor Kevin Weatherby. We'll see you again real soon.